Welcome to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones. This week we head to Good Karma Cigars in Fort Worth, Texas. We'll interview the owner, Todd Daly. He'll give us some history, tell us how he got started in the business, some of the ups and downs, and some great stories. Then he'll give us his top five picks for the year. So grab yourself a cigar, sit back, because now it's time to light them up. Hey guys, before we get started with the show, wanted to give you my cigar of the week. This week, I'm going with the La Flor Dominicana Cabinet 6 Maduro. It's a special blend of Nicaraguan and Dominican. Gives you the complexity and the boldness and full pack nicotine. So if you're a beginner, you might work your way up to this cigar. But if you're an experienced smoker and you haven't had one, it's a definitely must try. Great construction, great draw, great burn, and it just really hits on all cylinders. So give it a try. Let me know what you think. Welcome back to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones, and this week we have special guest, Todd Daly, the owner of Good Karma Cigar Shops in Fort Worth, Amarillo, and Lubbock, Texas. How are you doing today, Todd? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on here. Hey, man, we really have been looking forward to having you on the show. Uh, I really like what you've done in Lubbock. Been there many times. And then when I saw the project you had going on in Fort Worth, I was real excited about it. I knew it was going to be in a house. And I know with what you've done in Lubbock, it was going to be something special. So welcome. And uh, I'll just go ahead and tell everybody that I uh, got here about an hour ago. And I got a tour, and you guys have definitely got to come by and see this place. Uh, it's a two-story house. You walk in, there's a nice seating area. You come down the hallway, and there's some accessories. And then when you turn to your left, there's this enormous humidor just stacked full of quality premium cigars. A lot of cigars I haven't seen at other shops, so hats off to what you have there, too. Thank you so much. And then you come upstairs. And there's a, a, a music room with a turntable, a ton of vinyl, and then you have a poker room. And then you go out the backside of the house and you have this beautiful patio setting that I can just imagine is just beautiful on a, like a nice evening night. Because I see you have the party lights hung, really nice <clears throat> area that you have there. So uh, let's talk a little bit about you, Todd. Let's see. Uh, you told me earlier that you're 52. Right. How long have you been in the cigar business? We started the first shop in April of 2010. And uh, I was a little 1,100 square foot uh, rented home, uh, 12th Street, I believe, uh, just south of downtown Amarillo. Oh, in Amarillo. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's where you got your start. So how did you get into the cigar business? I mean... Most people don't just decide, you know, when they're in college, I'm going to open up a cigar shop. So, how, right. How did you get to that? Uh, but point? some do. Some do. <laughs> well, we moved out to Amarillo. My wife uh, does downtown redevelopment, and she was recruited to spearhead the redevelopment of downtown Amarillo. Okay. And we were out there for, oh, I don't know, nine, 12 months. And uh, when we moved out there, very passionate about cigars. I moved out there with a couple 3,000 cigars of my own. And uh, there wasn't a shop selling the kinds of cigars I wanted to buy in a shop in the way that I wanted to buy them. And I got bored. My wife convinced me that I should, again, do something I was passionate about and uh, landed on a cigar shop. 
It was good news, bad news. I took her advice, but I, it was cigars, and she hates cigars. Less so now, but uh, <laughs> it is not her thing. You've kind of brought her in a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, does she smoke cigars? Occasionally, she'll smoke uh, Juicy Lucy. Hey. You, you, natural wine, which she has me like for her, but it, it's it's not her thing. It's not my wife's thing either, but my wife is completely happy with whatever I'm doing with cigars. Cool. So I'm happy I'm blessed. You hit the lottery. Yes. <laughs> we were talking earlier, and we were talking about how we got into the cigar culture, lifestyle, just sure. the whole love of cigars. So tell us about your experience with cigars prior and how you developed into a right. cigar aficionado. Late 90s, 90 seven maybe had some friends that had uh, in another market that had found cigars and uh, were starting to uh, delve into the world of cigars and uh, I smoked a couple cigars with them and I started out like most people do very price conscience you know not great experiences I didn't I didn't like it I didn't care for it uh, I did not see the appeal or the attraction and one night, one of them, who I'm very thankful to for doing this, we were somewhere and they had uh, uh, some Arturo Fuente Hemingway cigars, uh, which back then were very, very difficult to obtain. Okay. Uh, there was a cigar boom, you know, blossoming, and um, that's a product that's aged for a minimum of six months after it's rolled. And Fuente, to its real credit, uh, in the midst of unprecedented demand, did not change that production model at all. And those cigars were somewhat impossible to find. In any event, this gentleman said, buy that, smoke that, that's a good cigar. And it was a Hemingway classic. And, uh, and I did, and I enjoyed the flavor profile, and then the flavor changed as the oils pulled back, and you're you know, maturing through the body of the cigar, and I got it. And it was like a light bulb went off. I said, I, I understand it. I'm in. I'm here today. Same thing. It's funny how it works that way. When, and it goes back to you had somebody help you find right. that cigar. Right. And I've told the story before that I was at Good Karma when someone, uh, one of your tobacconists picked out a Kristoff for me. And <clears> the light <throat> came on. And it's never gone out. So we can both give thanks to Glenn Case. That's exactly right. Christoph. How long have you been here in Fort Worth? Well, I was born here. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Dallas and uh, came back here and went to TCU and uh, started uh, some different businesses here. We had moved out uh, to West Texas, and that's when we started the uh, first cigar shop out there. And then moved back here, uh, I guess, two and a half years ago and uh, started on that path, buying the property and um, renovating, redeveloping, going through a very lengthy city process uh, to change the use and uh, get this first floor here. Awesome. So, in what year did you open in Lubbock? That was in uh, November of 2013. Okay. I was kind of surprised you went to Lubbock before you went to Fort Worth, not based on business, but based on it seems like you were throwing support towards Texas Tech instead of TCU. <laughs> well, as much as I enjoy our Texas Tech fans, that's not the case. I believe purple. Uh, well, it was kind of an interesting thing. We, 
family, we knew that we were not going to die living in Amarillo. Um, but we really didn't think we would be coming back to Fort Worth either. Um, the it was time to expand and we were still living there and uh, Amarillo is a market size that one store is enough and Lubbock although it's I don't know, 115 miles away is the closest real population center <clears throat> um, we had ideas at the time of going to Austin as well and Heroes and Legacies it had two shops in uh, Lubbock one too many um, had closed by them both stores and uh, so we went to Lubbock first the other thing was um, there was a store in downtown Fort Worth uh, Tobacco Lane on the square at 5th and Main in the Sinclair building uh, owned by a very dear friend of mine okay and uh, Lubbock notwithstanding our stores are always going to be in or approximate to the downtown uh, reflective of my wife's business absolutely uh, and there was no way that I would ever open the store in Fort Worth while Glenn was still here. Uh, maybe it's a God thing. I don't know. Not for him. Um, Glenn lost his lease in that building. It was being redeveloped as a boutique hotel. And rather than open in an alternate location, he decided to just shrink down and, and leave downtown Fort Worth B. Oh, okay. So it was the timing thing that sort of worked out. And that brought you back home. That brought me back home. You had and my and to be fair, it was my wife that said it's time to go back home. And you know, I was approaching fifty and had learned that uh, I don't argue about paint colors or anything else with her. So she said it's time to go home. It's time to go home. Well, I told my son. You know, me and my wife been married for twenty four years. Congratulations. Thank you, and. Uh, an old man at the cigar shop in Abilene told me he'd been married for 50 years. And I said, how, how did you get to 50? And he said, well, it's easy. I make all the big decisions. My wife makes all the small decisions. And I said, well, like, what's a big decision? And he said, there are no big decisions. There you go. <laughs> There's another way of saying that. Just learn to say yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... Uh, we're up in your poker room at mm -hmm. your shop here, and uh, you've brought me a cigar, and we're smoking these, and they're so far very nice. So what can you tell me about them? This is our uh, donkey dropping electric Amish. So this was a four and a half year long project for me. Um, this is my reinterpretation of the classic American cigar. A hundred years ago, we would have all smoked a Connecticut Broadleaf or Pennsylvania Broadleaf cigar over Cuban binder filler. And uh, so we wanted to take that cigar and make it current today. Okay. Um, so to that end, uh, this is a Pennsylvania Broadleaf wrapper. Um, we went through a lengthy search to grown in Pennsylvania. Oh, really? Really, um, we went through a lengthy process to find the individual wrapper that really made sense for the blend that I had in my mind. Um, and your filler blend um, is comprised of Dominican and Nicaraguan leaf, uh, La Harrow's in there, uh, as well as a small amount of Colombian leaf. And that's that little twang you're tasting in the back of the palate. Well, what I really like about it is 
with that little twang, it still has a very smooth retro hell. Very impressive. I agree. This was, um, <coughs> we went to three different countries uh, making this cigar, looking for the right place to make it. And ultimately, we wound up in Santiago at Tobacco Lera Las Lavas. Um, I was and am really impressed with what they did with their components of the Gurkha Cellar line. Okay. And uh, I thought it was going to be a really good home for us. And uh, they, they nailed it. We had tried it in Nicaragua. We had tried some stuff in other places in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we'd even toyed with some U.S. production on it. And ultimately, they were able to take the idea that I have very firmly set in my mind uh, and run with it. So we've got uh, another large production run on this cigar. Um, actually, I think we'll have stateside in the next 60, 75 days. Okay. Um, We've got extra age on those cigars. This is a cigar that really benefits from some additional time. And uh, we make it five ways. We make it in a, a base blend with an Abano wrapper grown uh, in Nicaragua. Uh, we make it in a base blend with the Pennsylvania broadleaf grown in Pennsylvania. We do a reserve blend in both of those that has uh, about 15% more Ligero, uh, which you were smoking the reserve broadleaf and then we do it in uh, Connecticut, which really, really works. Uh, when we have good inventories uh, of this cigar in the Connecticut, it is our number one selling Connecticut in every store. No kidding. No kidding. And it's amazing to me because it really was... Now, do you have any of those right now? I do. I'm going to get one before I go. Because okay. <laughs> okay. I've, I've recently just started smoking a lot more Connecticut's. Because, you know, when you first start, you're kind of cool and you want to go big, dark. But as you start to develop your palate, you want to experience the whole spectrum. So We call it a Connecticut for the rest of us. It's a medium-bodied Connecticut. Excellent. And uh, But you have those kind of swirling, buttery, lemon zest, citrus flavors. Um, it, it's a Connecticut seed that was grown in Ecuador on the wrapper. And it has uh, uh, a very similar blend to the base blend of this. Uh, okay. It's tweaked a bit. But uh, the interesting thing about this, and it will ex- tell you how important the wrapper is, or even just the orientation of the leaves in the cigar. The base blend and Abano and Pennsylvania Broadleaf are exactly the same, down to the gram. The difference is a full-length filler leaf on the Abano is the Pennsylvania Broadleaf and vice versa. Really? And they taste absolutely nothing alike. They're not even like second cousins. And those cigars are, it's just a difference in orientation of the leaf. Composition is the same. So that's the, a, the reserve is exactly the same way. That's amazing. It, it was a, uh, a lucky thing that happened on the rolling tables. We've been through a really long process, a year and a half, you know, just working on the blends. <clears throat> and when we finally wound up at Las Lavas <clears throat> and realized that we had it, finally, bam, that's what I was talking about. Um, 
the the guy that's the head of the rolling department there. Uh, we were using some test Pennsylvania broadleaf. We'd gone through 40, 50 different samples of different Pennsylvania broadleaf grown in Pennsylvania. And we had a, an end uh, choice that had been what's called overworked. So in the pilone stage, it had been perhaps a little more than optimally fermented. And it will make that wrapper a bit friable and, and prone to breaking. And because we had this broken leaf, he just flipped it. And I remember they brought these Abano wrap cigars to me. And uh, the, the man that, uh, Luis Cuevas and Luis Cuevas Sr. own and operate that factory. Uh, junior, if you will, brought the cigar to me. And I lit it up and started smoking it. And, and I just said, damn. And he, he said, you know, he thought I'd been offended somehow. And I said, no, I think I may like it better with the Abano <laughs> on the outside. But the whole idea of the electric Amish was to take our Pedro and put him in Pennsylvania and update that to a current cigar, a modern cigar. Hence the electric Amish. He's in Amish country. Right. That's amazing. And it goes back to that American roots of tobacco, which I think is uh, an amazing story, formative in the United States, something our government's completely forgotten. We were founded for tobacco. Right. In, in fact, there's a uh, new book out uh, called When Tobacco Was King. Mm. It goes over the history of the tobacco industry in the Carolinas all the way up to Canada. Right. And so... Yeah, I think people really miss or forget about that whole history of where we started. Particularly, almost every one of our elected officials. <laughs> yes. I mean, colonization was here not for colonization, but to grow tobacco for Europe. Particularly a Amen. Except for Mark Rubio. Except for Mark Rubio. I'm a, I'm a big Mark Rubio supporter. He would make a fantastic president. Absolutely. You can count on my support. Absolutely. So now we're sitting in your third shop. Do you have plans to possibly expand somewhere else? You know, every time we build a new one, I say I'll never do another one. <clears throat> um, I spoke with you earlier about the concept of the shops as being akin to uh, having a new child. And, and it's remarkably similar to that. I remember the first time my wife heard me describe it that way. And she said, you know, that's exactly right. Um, there is that pregnancy time where there's a lot of effort. You're engaging very expensive professionals. You go through this Herculean effort that's similar to uh, the birthing process. And then you have this thing that looks at you and says, do everything for me. Um, you know, I'm an infant. I can't care for myself. But they grow and they mature. Uh, you know, they become toddlers. They start to, you know, young adults, whatever. And one day they look at you and they say, I, I got this. I don't need your help anymore. Uh, which is, you know, the goal of being a parent. Be a, bring a self-sufficient, you know, human into the world. <laughs> right. And uh, I think it's our goal as shop owners. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if we wait until this uh, store becomes an adult. 
or will you see it going along the path and uh, and then expand again? Um, I believe in the concept of cigar shops. I, I believe they can be the social nexus in a town, uh, the way they used to be. And, and, I, and I agree 100% in, with in, you. In a way, in some cases, they still are. Um, I think right now, you can go into our store in Amarillo and be around a lot of people that really love cigars and a lot of people that like cigars. But what they really enjoy is that opportunity to get together and share their lives. Absolutely. And have those conversations that can only take place in a cigar shop, or to me, only do take place in a cigar shop. You have the mixing of uh, generations. You have the mixing of every individual part of society seems to come together there on a level footing. And um, I don't know. It sounds self-serving, but I believe that a lot of our problems could just get sorted out in cigar shops. I, I agree 100%. There's a universality, a commonality, a shared experience that um, we don't have a whole lot of in the U.S. today. That's unfortunate. Uh, so, of course, our government wants to get rid of it entirely. Um, but I think, you know, when I think about that, and when I see what happens in our shops, that's usually the germ of what begets another one. Oh, absolutely. Spread so, so what do you see that cigar smokers, cigar lovers, cigar people of the culture can do to help fight against what's going on in the government? Well, everywhere you are, first of all, so support your local cigar shop. And I don't mean come to my shop. I mean support your local cigar shop. Um, it's there for a reason. Yeah, I mean, we exist in a capitalist country, and I don't personally want to be involved in anything that doesn't have a profit motive. But it's more than that. There's love behind there in that owner. Um and, and they love what you love if you're there. Or maybe you like it and you're on the path to loving it. So help them, support them, so that they can continue to have that space for the next person that wants to do that. I mean, there's people will hear me say, so-and-so introduced me to cigars, and I will immediately interject and say, so you have that to thank them for. Uh, I had that experience, you know? I have that gift that I have to pass along to someone else because somebody gave it to me. Um, as far as the government goes, you know, nowadays it seems like the government's just beyond our reach, but they're not. They're not. So I would say, look at your elected officials. Start at the municipal level because the municipal level government is probably the most problematic for the cigar shops. Um, here in Texas, which is, you know, has a very rich tradition of preserving individuals' rights. In a lot of ways, I think that's past tense. We're, we're into a real big government phase. I mean, we have a shop in Lubbock and the, the city council there and the politics there are so highly invasive. Uh, here in Fort Worth, you know, cigar smoking of any kind has been restricted to almost nowhere. Um, 
at some point that pendulum's got to swing back the other way. So how does that work here in Fort Worth as far as where you can and cannot smoke? Cigar bars, cigar shops. That's it? That's it. Wow. Home. Home, right. For now. Well, now, they did that in Austin, too, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah. And I believe Lubbock is not that way for now. Oh, Lubbock has smoking permits. Um, when you look at uh, locations that you can put in cigar shops or cigar bars there, you realize that the zoning code was manipulated before the smoking ban and the smoking <laughs> regulation. So, um, in one way, you can have a code that allows something that the zoning code for property use doesn't allow. I see. So, you can achieve your ends without you as a voter really going along with all of this. It's a, it's a tough place for cigar consumers out there, which is amazing to me. I mean, South Plains, but it's still far west Texas. Uh, a lot of open spaces. A lot of people that would identify with their independent roots. And, uh, you know, I, I think that government is completely misaligned uh, with the majority of the populace there. Absolutely. Uh, I noticed last time I was over there, me and a buddy went by Good Karma, picked up a few cigars, and then went over to uh, the Gas Lamp, I believe it was. Gas Light. Gas Light. Yeah. Great place. Agreed. Nice smoking. Agreed. I mean, I think we were probably two of 25 people, and out of those 25 people, I would probably say there was four or five other cigar smokers besides us. It's been isolated down to there. Most bars, you can't do it. I see. Most places, you can't do it. So there, there's a real agenda, and it's very clear uh, there, as well as statewide and nationally. <laughs> True. So what kind of events do you do uh, here in Fort Worth at the Good Karma shop? Well, we do manufacturer events like we do in all of our stores. Okay. Um, and uh, we're, we're really fortunate. We've had tremendous support from the manufacturers. Um, I think they recognize that we're real serious about this, uh, that we love the culture and the industry. And uh, so we, we have, a, a, basically every company would love to help us with you know that next event. We do those periodically. That's kind of once a month or so. You don't want to over-program. Sure. Um, because Fort Worth is so restricted in terms of places you can smoke, uh, is you know it's a place that you can come watch football games like this weekend you know we've got a couple playoff games can't really smoke in any of the bars um, I, I got an email from someone yesterday uh, I think he may have seen our neighborhood newsletter that was talking about our family had moved in and Good Karma is uh, one of our businesses that. Um, and he said, is it public or private? Is it, you know, can you smoke cigars there? Do you, you know, all the questions. So uh, hopefully we'll see them. That'll be a neat deal. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, you know, here we have a lot of, uh, it's birthday parties. It's, you know, bachelor parties. Retirement. Whatever. What's that? Retirements. Retirement. You know, we haven't had one of those yet, but I would expect that. 
in, in the near future. One of the things we looked at is um, regulation. Uh, again, it concentrates where you can uh, consume our product. Sure. So it makes the stores themselves more common places to consume it. Um, so, you know, we try to do stores that are very different than the traditional little shotgun, you know, tobacconist mode. We try to have a lot of space for people to enjoy cigars uh, for that, you know, cultural and community interchange. So I had this question for you. When you're in the music room with the turntable, mm-hmm. who's picking out the vinyl? Well, as soon as we get that turntable repaired, oh, is in movement. We had a little issue with the belt on it. Uh, actually, it's going to be self-selected. Okay, great. Um, I love music and I love old vinyl. And uh, oh, I guess that that's a fraction of what's here. There's probably fifteen hundred different vinyl pieces. Very nice. To choose from. From all different genres. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Well, I saw some of your uh, art on the walls. You have some really good taste so far from what I can see. Well, thank you. Um, you know, for us, it's this overall thing, and all the stores are kind of like living things. They evolve, and they change over time. And um, we're just really, my when I say we, it's my wife and I. Um Modern retail in the U.S., the, you know, the era of big box uh, that's sort of being rejected. You know, you see these places opening up. You see these big box platforms. Really folding. notice that because it's accelerated. The brick and mortar mom and pop shops. Right. People want to go there. It's an experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's personal. It's not impersonal. Um, there's a level of nostalgia to it the way it used to be. That's uh, why I think why vinyl is making a comeback, right? Oh, yes. As a storage medium for music, it's terrible. Right, can't take it with you. Yeah, and then, you know, and it, and it warps, and it, you know, if it gets too hot, and it cracks, and it can break, and all that. But it has this appeal when you hold a record album. And that and that little fuzz sound. Yeah. You can't it, it's a good dismiss thing, the LES. Right? The musicality of it, frankly. The fact that the sound waves are still waves and not all digits. Right. Um, there's just something to it. And if you look at the millennial population, they're really interested in vinyl. They're, that's where the growth is coming from. And that's where a lot of the growth in the cigar industry is coming from. Well, and Maybe I, it's coming from a nostalgic element. Maybe it's my grandfather, you know, or whoever smokes cigars. And I'm kind of curious about that. Well, I, I really think that, like you were saying, the box retail. It's a formula. It worked. Let's just stamp them out like crazy. Sure. But what people, what makes this shop so great is that when someone comes in, it's not something they've seen before. Right. And it's hands-on. And we'll it's see personable. Here, unless they come back here. Right. Everything in here was hand-selected. And, and believe me, I'm not saying every decision was perfect. But everything in here was hand-selected and put here for a reason. And the reason was to create a space that was warm, comfortable, inviting. Kind of like what your home would be if you could smoke cigars in your home. But you're married, so I know you can't. (laughs) And might not want to to begin. Well, a lot of the listeners have heard this story, but I I have a smoking lounge in my backyard. There you go. I bought a... uh, 
14 by 12 shed, insulated it, sheetrocked cool. it, electric. Yeah. I've got my turntable. I've awesome. got my big screen. Awesome. So I can smoke at home, just not in the main house. Sure. So, yeah, but this is a, this is a comfortable space. In fact, different things that I've seen in here, I've been like, oh, I could do something like that in my smoke lounge. So you've done well, the a idea fantastic too is to create job. All these individual spaces that really generate a different experience, just like at home. It's and you nailed it. And I absolutely can't wait. A couple months from now, when we're in the throes of spring in Fort Worth, um, the outdoor my favorite place to smoke a cigar is outside around the campfire. But the problem with that is you're somewhere remote. And the ground isn't it's even, not comfortable. You know, right. You know, they're in a restroom right there. They're, you know, you don't have a humidor full of cigars. And right. I want this. I can just go get it. Um, the lighter doesn't work. You know, there, there's always sort of distractions on it. And so what we tried to create on the patio out back is a way to get a good taste of that outdoor experience with fire. Well, you've done a fantastic job. The whole idea of our we don't do market research, uh, really any other than just some anecdotal stuff. I look at population numbers and presence of other shops and whatnot. But for the most part, what we do is consistent with what we did from the first store without knowing any better. We just create what I would want. And we've been really fortunate that a lot of people want that too. Perfect. I mean, when, when I come in, it, it feels like home. Yeah. And that's how you want it to feel. That's exactly what we're looking for. You know, that is the perfect perfect response for us. Yeah. Well, you've nailed it. I'm impressed. Thank you. And your humidor, as I said before, I walked through. It's pretty impressive as well. I've been to a lot of shops. I it's, love the leaf. <laughs> I love the leaf. You know, that's my home shop. And... uh I've been going there probably for four four years, and so you can find me there pretty regularly. Yeah. Even though I even have a lounge at home, it's like you said, it's coming to join people right. and have that bond. Right. And so I, that's why I think that cigar shops are so important to the whole society because there's so many people who use that avenue right. to go and communicate and have that relationship that they otherwise wouldn't have. Right. So I absolutely love when I go into one of our stores or somebody else's store and I see two people that are entirely dissimilar. They're not from the same neighborhood. They're not from the same employment group. You know, they're just different people. And they're sitting down smoking cigars, having a real conversation, and enjoying one another's company. It's like, that's what it's all about. And you don't see that anywhere else. I don't. I haven't. And I've talked to some other people, you know, you think about going to a bar, but that's not the same atmosphere. It's not the same intent. Right. So, really, I don't think of any place other than a cigar shop that people go and have relationships with other people right. from completely different backgrounds. Right. And so, that's one of the reasons we do this show, just because we enjoy going to cigar shops that's and awesome. meeting people. And so, that's what it's about for us. 
And I have to say, just over the last few weeks of doing this show, I've met some amazing people from all over the country. And so, well, it's this time of the show where I ask you, give us your top five cigars. Oh, wow. It's tough to narrow it down. That So my standard answer, people ask me all the time, what's your favorite cigar? Is it's a tie. Okay. The last one and the next one. <laughs> um, and we're about to do, because uh, we're always late on everything, uh, our top ten list for last year. And this year is going to be a little different. In the past... Um, I've solicited opinions from some of our staff members, but it's really been a selection process driven by me. This year, um, we're about to finalize a process where our Lubbock manager does a list, our Amarillo manager does a list, I do a list, and then we look at all three of those. And I don't know what that final process is going to be if we average these things or what, but I I think there's going to be a fair degree of consistency. I, I can... So that being said, I'll give you some historical favorites. Okay. And I'll give you some cigars that seem really relevant to me now. Um, So historically, because the Hemingway Classic was so important to me and bringing me to cigars, um, I love that cigar. And um, I... If you get into that front rolling gallery for uh, Fuente, uh, you know, like I, I love the Opus La City. <clears throat> I, th- I think it's an amazing cigar experience. Um, cigars that seem um, extremely Im- important, relevant to me in the last year, um, the Aladino Corojo Reserva, I, th- I think is an amazing cigar. And I would say to anyone, you know, enjoying cigars today, if you haven't smoked one of those, you should. Um, that's Julio Oro, uh, they own the Camacho uh, brand before okay. they sold that. And uh, that that particular cigar is is uh, a tour de force. Stunning. Um, has a deceptive, <clears throat> excuse me, level of body strength. It's really aged leaf. And uh, it doesn't initially strike you as, as anything more than medium-bodied. It has a very full flavor profile. Beautiful. But uh, this body strength creeps in uh, throughout the, the length of the cigar. And um, I, I just, it, it, it's artistry. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Kudos to them. Uh, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I'm actually going to go down... Uh, to their factory outside of Tegucigalpa, Honduras, um, in February. And uh, uh, I, I can't wait to go look at their fields, look at their production model, and see how they're doing what they're doing. Because they're doing some really special stuff, no doubt. Um, uh, over the last year, maybe I'm a little behind the curve on this, but I'm catching up on it real quick. Uh, the stuff coming from Placencia. Mm. Um, the the Amafuerte, uh, particularly in the Sixto, it's their hexagonal shaped cigar, which is surprising to me that I enjoy it so much because it's a much larger ring gauge than I would typically uh, prefer. Uh, typically, I don't like box press cigars at all. 
my mouth is somewhat ovoid, box press cigars or not. Um, but I think individually that skew is my favorite cigar on the market from anybody right now, including my own. And I blended those for my palate. So, <laughs> right. Um, the, um, I, I like the Cosecho 146 from Placencia a lot. I, I think that's a, a cigar that on its own merits is a, is a wonderful cigar, but the teaching element behind it and the celebration of the culture and the history is huge. Cosecha and Cuban Spanish is harvest. It's their one, the leaf in the cigar, 146th cigar tobacco harvest, 146 years. Wow. Okay, and they didn't grow that tobacco last year. Um, so, wow, right? Absolutely. Wow. Um, so cool. Uh, the blend is redolent. Uh, uh, Media Tiempo leaf, genetic sport that hits, I don't know, 8-10% of the plants. And for some people, they will, it's a small increment in, in uh, several blends because there's a small amount of the leaf. Um, and some people, will, they'll kind of get this hint of this flavor and they can't really pin it down and they don't, you know, maybe they're not told, maybe it isn't even disclosed that it's in the blend. But in that blend, it's just chock full of this media tempo. So you have these people that experience it sort of is kind of a numbing vanilla. For me, uh, I always experience it in any blend as, as being very floral. Um, if I were channeling my inner cigar reviewer, maybe I would say it's like a hyacinth blossom or something, but that ain't me. I'm from <laughs> Fort Worth, Texas. It's floral. Um, I, I, I'm really, really impressed uh, with that product for sure um, the Tatawai line still continues to impress me uh, all the time uh, K Triple Deuce I think is outstanding um, I, uh, I don't always just smoke stronger cigars uh, the Negociant line the Monopoly uh, from okay, Tatawai, I, 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 I truly love it as a Ecuadorian Connecticut seed wrapper, uh, maybe medium body, okay. uh, really pretty flavor profiles. Um, I was and still am an enormous fan of Dunhill aged, Dunhill British American tobacco. I heard uh, you had a special plate for Dunhill in your heart. I, I do, and, and they... Um, you know, British American Tobacco made the decision when the FDA announced that they were going to regulate premium cigars to exit the market. And we uh, we always sold a ton of those cigars, and we bought and bought and bought uh, the stuff coming out of the aging rooms. Um, and we're at the end of it. They're just about to disappear from our shelves, and I'm... I'm uh, and I can say, if you're looking for some of those, you got to come <laughs> here, because he scooped up all that he could find. <laughs> that That is true. In fact, I had a conversation with their uh, Southwest Region representative uh, last week, and I said, hey, are there any of those hanging around? Because uh, we love it. It has uh, kind of almost like a lemon zest in the flavor profile that it I think is fantastic. Um, over the last year, I've been really interested uh, in the Liga Pravada Undercrown uh, Sun Grow. Uh, when that cigar initially appeared, I thought it was quite good. Um, 
and with more time on those cigars, uh, I think they've just matured into something that's exceptional. Okay. Um, we bought tons of it. So the stuff that we have is original release, and it in I don't know if the cigars being you know shipped out today have that same distinct flavor profile or not, but I would just say that if you smoke that cigar with some age on it, if you like Nicaraguan cigars, you're going to love that cigar, and if you don't, you won't, because it is just sort of a benchmark prototype for it. Pepper, leather, chocolatey earth. You're speaking my language. Yeah. Um, let's see. Cornelius and Anthony had a really big year. Um, I think the mistress, uh, really interesting. That's a scar with uh, sort of chock full of burly. Uh, so it's singular in the humidor. No other cigar is going to have that. Uh, it was grown as cigar leaf. So an interesting issue. They coaxed a farmer into growing tobacco that would otherwise go to pipe tobacco or even cigarettes, but grow it in a way like we grow cigar tobacco. So really? We're talking much taller, much more robust plants. And it was a hit. They sold out at the trade show. And um, our customers seem to love it. And it is a cigar with shoulders. It is truly strong. I would say probably the strongest in our humidors. Um, beautiful flavor profile with a lot of what I perceive as bark cinnamon, hot cinnamon, not sweet. That sounds interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. It's fantastic. And it was such a challenge for them, uh, opportunity and a challenge, right? They blew through the tobacco they had grown. They're growing more <laughs> because they know, but they had a hit that they knew they couldn't really reproduce because uh, they had to have another crop that right. was grown that way. Uh, but they immediately started down that process. They knew they had market traction for it, and there'll be more of those in the future. But uh, Very nice. I really, really like that cigar. Uh, that's a company that's just going places. Um, I think the Ariel is a very interesting medium-bodied cigar. Uh, the Venganza two years ago I thought was absolutely no question the best cigar from new cigar from any manufacturer. Okay. A lot of warm fall baking spices, a lot of leather in there, uh, nutmeg, cinnamon, just wow. You're starting to make my mouth water. <laughs> Senior Sugars, uh, possibly one of the worst names on one of the better cigars. <laughs> uh, really uh, milky chocolate uh, flavor profile, and um, provided they ever ship, uh, the new stuff from Gurkha is going to be, I think, find a, a ton of market traction. The uh, uh, the Ghost Gold with the Corojo leaf, uh, the samples I've smoked have just been. Excellent. Uh, the La Marquesa, uh, I think, is a cigar with a, a big future to it. Uh, I'm interested to see how the Chateau Privé ships in and, and what that you know tastes like in a production model. Um, it's interesting because so many of the cigars that I smoke, the people in my seat smoke, are pre-production cigars. And... Um, I think the intent overall is to have a sample something like we would find on our shelves, but sometimes there are, you know, significant differences. Um, 
this year's Tatuai the Bride, which I think is a great cigar with an enormous amount of aging potential. Uh, I smoked uh, one that Pete gave me uh, last May. He was actually out for our grand opening, okay. uh, which was so awesome. And Pete, if you hear it, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, brother. Um, and that was a cigar that had a lot more body and zest to it than the cigar that shipped in October. But what my palate perceives is that cigar that shipped in October, given more time, that kind of peppery zest that you get in the last third is going to be a lot more prevalent through that cigar. So if I were asked, what's the best cigar today to buy to age? You know, I want to buy a box and I want to set them back for a year or two and see what happens with that cigar. That would be the one. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be the one. Very nice. Well, I'll definitely be looking for that one. So uh, tell us about <clears throat> what you plan on doing over the next six months here. Some kind of event. I, I know you're looking forward to the outdoor patio because the oh, weather's going to be so nice here in you Texas. Bet. Well, we are in a that phase that all the shops go through uh, where you get to market around to understand who we are, where we are, what we are. I mean, <clears throat> we have a name that's really um, dear to my heart, Good Karma Cigar. Um, and there's a lot of underpinnings of that name. Uh, but my daughter was born in Kathmandu, Nepal. Her name is Karma. Oh, very nice. I and, did not know uh, that. She is, um, she's starting to understand now the more, the deeper meanings of Karma. And uh, she will typically smile when I say, you are my Karma. <laughs> um, the, um, but that name, in as much as I love it, is somewhat of a liability for us too, because some people see it and they say, it's like a head chop maybe? Um, oh, I can imagine. So, you know, we have to, you know, get through that misperception and uh, get people to understand that we're a uh, premium cigar store with lounges and uh, so seriously involved in the leaf. Um, we, um, you know, we take our role very seriously. We inventory a, it's unfair to say a ton of product. It's a lot of tons of product, a lot, a lot of tons of product. Um, we look at our role in the industry, at least within our small areas, of um, sort of trying to communicate to the consumer that only has so much experience available to them <clears throat> um, what's relevant and what's interesting and what's important in cigars today. You know, there are un, a certain number of cigars that are cigars we carry because there are people that want those cigars. But what we're really about is sort of delivering and interpreting this message from the cigar industry about here's where we're moving and why. So there are so many cigars in the, in the humidors that there's a reason why they're in the humidors. You know, if someone has this type of palate and they like this kind of cigar, we always strive to find, you know, what are the companion cigars for that, that cigar consumer? Um, that's not the most profitable way of doing things. And that's certainly not the easiest way of doing things. 
But I think it's the best way. To do I was going to say it's the right way. It's our way. That's great. And I will say, sitting here smoking this cigar, it's really nice. It's a lot better than average, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of cigars, you start off, it's nice. But I'm about halfway through, and it's just, oh, it's just salivating. Very job well done. Well, thank you so very much. And thank you so much to Tobacco Lair Las Lavas and the Cuevases for for making the thing possible. We we worked with some great blenders and great rolling facilities. And we came up with some really interesting cigars. Depending on which way the wind blows with the FDA, we may go back and do some of those cigars. But they weren't this cigar. And it wasn't this message. So more time, more effort, more money spent. Get this done. I mean, I, I wanted this story to be told. I wanted this story to be smoked. Well, I have to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not have high expectations, and you've blown me out of the water. Well, good. Very impressed. If you buy enough cigars, you better learn something. (laughs) Well, it's fantastic. I'm enjoying it. So, is there anything else you want to talk about before we leave? Um, You know what? Let's talk about Pedro. Okay. I, I, I love... So, we have a mascot at Good Karma. It's this donkey, this smiling donkey. Uh, It came to be known as Pedro. We... um, And I think it's a microcosm of what's happened with us and our experience in the cigar business. Um, Real early on. um, In 2010. In our little 1,100 square foot place that uh, I'd like to go back and buy it and just operate it as a private cigar club because the building had this amazing feel. Um, We got a Tatuai brown label account. And back then, they were really, really hard to get. I don't know that they're easy today, but they were really hard to get back then. And um, we got it very quickly. Um, we, We were founded to sell boutique cigars. I mean, I can't tell you how many reps in the Southwest laughed at me. They kind of started figuring out what our matrix was going to be, manufacturers and lines, and it was like, man, how are you going to sell those kinds of cigars in Amarillo, Texas? And I said, well, you know, I hope we sell them all day long. And some of those guys, hi, Jack, uh, later said, you know, I was wrong. Uh, it worked. It really worked. But um Y was sort of tip of the spear <clears throat> for the Nicaraguan cigar with the Pepin influence. And, and mind you, back then, 65-70% of all imports into U.S. premium cigars came from the Dominican Republic, still. You know, that's, man, not that long ago. And right. sea change, right? The Nicaraguan revolution, cigar revolution, uh, set off by Pepin and, and Pete Johnson, uh, with a little help from Altidus for suing them. Um, you know, just transform what we're smoking here today. Um, so, um, we get this brown label account, and when you open, and I suggest that if you haven't done it, everyone that's really interested in cigars do it, you get 
a cabinet of Patois Brown Label, which are all still rolled in the little Miami shop uh, that used to be El Rey de los Banos. I, I probably still called that today, but I'm not sure. Um, I think there's nine rollers. And you crack this thing open and you get this, what some people call a barnyard smell. Um, kind of like the hay? Or is it more? Deeper. Okay. Richer. But for me, it smells like ass. Way deeper. Way deeper. <laughs> and we were communicating with a lot of our customer base via email at the time. And I don't mean a fancy thing like Constant Contact or MailChimp or Square System or whatever. I mean Gmail. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was bare bones. Ground floor. Ground floor, right? So we get this Tatawai account, and I'm trying to explain this flavor. But I don't know Pete. And I'm afraid, concerned, that if I say, you know, you got to get some of these cigars because they smell like ass, that he may get brutally offended. Right. As I've been fortunate enough to get to know Pete quite well, I realized that he would have laughed. He would have probably loved it, you know. And, but at the time, we had to have some other way to convey that message. So I clipped off the web, I probably violated something, uh, an image of a, a Cuban ass. And said, it smells like ass, but I put this Cuban ass image in right. there, you know, to kind of defray. And um, it took on a life of its own. All of a sudden, on these chat boards and stuff, they're talking about this crazy little store in Amarillo, Texas, with this donkey and you know the, the guy really loves the leaf and um i it, it literally just took on a life of its own we had a customer um uh, who's really a talented graphic artist and, and he came to me one day and he said man you're on to something here you got something and you you know we were using different images for what became known as pedro at the time it didn't have a name um and he said, you, you need to standardize this. And you need to make an image that's your image. And uh, Well, I got to say, when I was driving in, mm -hmm. I saw your billboard. Yeah. And that's your brand. It is. And when I saw it, it just clicks. So I, th I think it worked out perfectly for you. It, I can't explain to you why. I've done a lot of things in business, different businesses. I cannot explain to you why, but it just happened and it just worked. And this uh, graphic artist, uh, Clay Brannick, uh, came to me and said, you know, let me take a stab at creating an, an image for Pedro. And, and it's sort of a, you know, elementary, middle school uh, completion level thing, but it was perfect for him. It was absolutely perfect for him. So we started adopting and using that. And we, changed our logo and we put Pedro on there and um, the, the background in our logo is the, uh, the textured finish on uh, my living room walls in my house in Amarillo. Uh, it was really homespun um, and it just resonated, you know, and, and I don't you know, maybe, maybe the people just experienced it and said it's real. You know, in a world where everything seems to be plastic, right. that's real, you know? Um, but it conveyed the message of the cigars, <laughs> you know, the flavor of the cigars. 
It did it in a humorous way. Uh, we're typically say we're 70 degrees, 70% humidity in seventh grade all the time. Nice. Um, but, um, so, you know, that was that process and that's how Pedro came to be. And, and we would never want to, but we could, we couldn't possibly divorce ourselves from Pedro at this point. And, uh, and hopefully Pedro can't divorce himself no, from us. And like I said, when I saw the billboard, it's, it just speaks. That's your brand. Yeah. And I, I think that's where you want to be. And so I wouldn't hopefully never see that change. Right. Some of our billboards now don't have Pedro on it simply because in this market, people don't understand Pedro or know Pedro. And uh, hopefully we'll go through that process where they get to understand Pedro. I mean, we still use an email. It's a little more sophisticated, but we <laughs> use an email system to get information out to our consumers, uh, our customers, our family. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's Pedro's pastures. That's our humidors. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek, well, the lore of Pedro. Um, it's not about me. A lot of it is about our amazing staff. That's our family, extended family. But it's really about them. It's really about the consumer. I guarantee you, you will never find anyone in our staff that hasn't heard me say to them, look, we do everything we can. We want to make the ultimate cigar experience. We want to have the best inventory. We want to have the best presentation. We want to have the best physical locations. But without them, we don't exist. Exactly. And I will say that that's how you feel when you walk into your shop. Whether I haven't been to the one in Amarillo, but even in Lubbock, you know, when I go to Lubbock, I look forward to my lunch time to where I can go sit on your sofa and enjoy a cigar and talk to Brad or some of your other staff throughout the years. And it's actually, when I go to Lubbock, I look forward to that. That's awesome. And I think think that's what your shop brings is that place I know I can go enjoy a good cigar in the company of other people who enjoy what I enjoy. So... Very well done. and what it's all about. So, anyway, before we go, I wanted to say you can find Good Karma on Instagram. I know your Instagram account, I believe, is Good Karma Cigars. Is that correct? It should be Good Karma. I think there's a Good Karma. <laughs> I know there's two. disconnected I am. Good there's... Karma Cigar Amarillo, Good Karma Cigar, Good Karma Cigar Love It, Good Karma Cigar Fort Worth. Um Facebook. And then Facebook there. And then you also have a website. Same iteration. That website, karmacigar.com, which we're uh, sort of in the process of completely revamping. Okay. And uh, look forward to a, a lot more information about our individual locations, uh, the amenities that they have to offer, uh, the cigars there. We really don't see ourselves moving back to a digital point-and-click ordering environment. Uh, we are going to do it with some of our cigars just to facilitate, you know, people in different parts of the country getting those. Um, but we did a, uh, you know, uh, a big shopping cart with lots of different cigars. And um, it was sort of um, exactly what we're not about. <laughs> How's that for a way of saying it? I understand it, completely. It was feeding right back into the beast that 
we purposely set out to work against. Correct. And uh, so don't be part of the problem. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's real easy for shops to go down that road. Sure. You know, there's an allure to it. Sure. It's an enormous market. But at the same time, I think going down that road, like you say, don't be part of the problem. It's against everything else that you're about. Right. Now, we have so many customers in different parts of the country, different countries, that we have a relationship with that we've never, ever met. They call us periodically. They talk about cigars. We walk them through the humidor and talk about different cigars and try to, in some way or another, give them a cigar shop experience. Talking to a human, albeit over the phone, but human-to-human connection, talking about something that we love together. So when we have a point-and-click sale, we miss that entirely. Absolutely, and that doesn't provide much of experience. None. You know, none. experience is when they get the cigar, but there's no connection. Well, you take it out of space, okay? So, you know, you look on a big website, you look at a catalog, whatever, you're not seeing those cigars in relation to the other cigars around. You're not getting that dizzying array, this is the one for me. Or these are the one for me. So, it's kind of like I was talking to a good friend of mine, Bill, and he, uh, his daughter lives out in Arizona. And when they make that trip, there's always this bookstore. Yeah, mom and pop yeah. type shop. I love bookstores. Goes in there, shocker of shockers, huh? And he says, "I want to pick out a book, but I also want the shop owner to pick me out a book." Right. You know, you can't get that at books a million. Right. But you can't get that at the cookie cutter shops or even online. I mean, you can order every book you want on Amazon. We know that. But you can't say, hey. You don't know to order the books you don't know to order. Right. And you you want a, a reason, a validation for going to a cigar shop? Go to a good one. Encounter someone who is well educated in cigars. Give them information about what you like and you don't like. And then listen to what they talk about. Because that's, I mean, I I love to be able to, somebody's looking for a small allocation cigar and they really, really covet and want this cigar. I love to be able to, you know, get that done for them. But what's more enjoyable for me is, you know what? Let's light a cigar. Let's talk about what you've been smoking, what you've liked and not liked. Uh, and a lot of people look at me and go, why, why do you want to know what I don't like? Because that can tell me more than what you like. What you like tells me what you've smoked recently that appeals to you on some level. What you don't like tells me even more because you went through some don't like to find what you like. Mm-hmm. Or what you like and then some don't like. So that tells me you're looking for something else you like. Well, you just short-circuited and cut out a bunch of what would be chaff for you, but maybe not your friend or neighbor or the next person. And then we can talk about, okay, so you like a sweeter cigar. Maybe you like Sumatra wrappers because they genetically have a higher sugar content. Um, 
you like a milder bodied cigar, but you want more flavor. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. It's, it's this information interchange that someone who's knowledgeable and understands the relationships of, you know, the genetics of the leaf, the combinations with the filler binder, uh, the magic at the pilone stage in certain manufacturers, the types of cigars that are in the wheelhouse of certain manufacturers as opposed to other, that you can, there's this really rich body of information that translates into more positive experiences for the consumer. And that is not going to happen in any other context. Right. So just so everybody heard, there's a dog. Tell us about your oh, store you dog. Okay. So uh, we, you know, my preferences uh, for restaurants and stores were sort of uh, formulated in Colorado. Um, when I was younger, uh, absolutely loved to go skiing and loved Summit County and, and those areas. And you, you'd like going to these old ski shops, right? And they would have this old lab sitting in there that was almost like furniture. Um, sometimes a Irish setter, a uh, golden retriever. And, um, you know, I, at, at that point in my life, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And, and that should be, you know, in all stores. And because our stores are about community and a feeling like you've arrived home as a, as a cigar smoker, they should have a dog, right? So the dog that barked downstairs, that's Maya. Okay. Uh, Maya rescued us in 2013 in Amarillo. And um, she is, um, man, you just can't separate her. From good karma cigars. She <laughs> barks. She, it, it's not, um, she, she's a Dogo Argentine. A lot of people think she's some kind of a pit mix. Uh, genetically a little different. But um, people occasionally think that she is, it, it's a warning bark, you know, or an, an alarm. She's telling you, I'm here and this is where I am. Because you come to pet her. And right. The cigars are, eh, you know. Um, so we, we have her, when we moved to Fort Worth, we didn't move her with her with us initially because she had this tremendous family, you know, in our Amarillo shop. And ultimately it was just killing me to go out there to the store and leave her behind. And uh, so we, uh, we were rescued by another dog, Maisie. And so a switch happened, right? We brought Maya here and, and, and took Maisie out to Amarillo and um, she's just doing amazing out there and in Lubbock that store doesn't have a fenced yard mm. uh, so it makes it harder you know and these dogs live in the stores it is their home this is their home their home you have come to their home um, in Lubbock we don't have a fenced yard we wanted to fence it and the city wouldn't let us um, but uh, so our, our manager out there Brad Williams uh, has his dog Daisy who rescued him. I've met Daisy. Daisy is, is amazing. I love her. And then uh, one of our, our staff members there that's a student at Texas Tech has been with us for, I think, now three and a half years. And we're going to be sad to see Tyler graduate. But as I understand, he may end up in uh, Fort Worth side of the Metroplex. And maybe we see him around here. Oh, very good. Uh, his dog, Scout, who rescued I him. I remember Scout. Scout's amazing. 
uh, one of these days, I'm going to talk to my scout. I don't uh, see that happening. I, I don't either. But, yeah, it's just part of our culture, absolutely part of our culture. Um, we are just pet lovers, dog lovers, and uh, um, I think it's just a good piece of what makes us us. Well, I mean, it gives you that I'm coming home feel. Right. You know what I mean? Because I they're know. not just furniture. It's 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 a lot more than that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a great show. I appreciate you coming on. Thank so, you so much for coming here and doing. We appreciate this. it very much, and uh, I look forward to coming backing up here. I'm hold you to a return visit. I guarantee you that. Well, my uh, mother-in-law lives in uh, Cleburne. Okay. So not too not far too away. Far. And uh, so we will definitely be coming back, and I'm sure uh, I'll have some friends come with me. Good. All right. Well, thank you again. Hey, guys. We appreciate you joining us, and now it's time for our weekly giveaway. This week's winner is Andy McIntyre. He went by the website, filled out our registration page, and now he's going to win a couple of cigars. And I believe this week we're going to send him a couple of Placencias, some of my favorite cigars. So I hope you enjoy, Andy, and the rest of you guys. Swing by the website and register so you'll have your chance. Anyway, you guys have a great week, and keep smoking, my friends.